Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's good to see you back in your place. Last week, some of y'all were sitting out there, and it threw me off in preaching, seeing Joe Gill out in the audience. Joe belongs up here. We're gl- y'all sound wonderful. We're glad you're here today. Good morning, everybody. Let me pray for us as we begin today. God, we are grateful to be in your presence. We are grateful for the breath in our lungs. We're grateful for the air conditioning this morning. We're grateful for our brothers and sisters in Christ sitting around us. For this and more, we bring praise and thanksgiving. In other areas of our life, we bring burdens and we bring grief and we bring pain. We bring petitions, we bring worries and anxieties, and we come to cast them upon you here today. That you may speak and provide a word that we need. In your name we pray. Amen. We are going to be in Acts 15 again this week at the end of the passage in verses 36 through 41. If you'd like to follow along with us, Acts 15, 36 through 41. Let me ask you this question. By what do you judge what is possible in the world? By what criterion, by what standards, by what worldview, by what resources do you judge, do you make judgments on what is possible in the world? What standard, what worldview shape what you believe to be possible? What resources do you believe are available to create and shape reality as we know it? We're continuing this week our poured out series where we're tracing the Spirit's movement throughout the book of Acts. We're in Acts 15 again today. We have some of our foundational truths that we're talking about in each uh, sermon. Again, I hope you're getting tired of hearing it by now. That's about the time it starts to soak into us, when you can tell it back to me. And you're like, all right, we get it, Pastor. You've hit it enough. That the Spirit comes at Pentecost and is powerful beyond expectation, powerful beyond reckoning, and on the move. The Spirit is moving and active in the world. And two, the Spirit is beyond human control and moving in surprising ways, continually surprising the people as they attempt to follow. And all the apostles, and then as the church grows, this early group of believers, all they can really do is to watch and to listen for where the Spirit is moving and do their best to keep up, do their best to join the Spirit there in that place. We've talked about a lot of things from the early church's formation to profiles of some people who were in on the Spirit and how that changes things. And we're in a little bitty mini-series here, the three weeks, uh, last week, this week, and then two weeks. Uh, Reverend Sinsenick is going to be preaching for us. Reverend Sarah Sinsenick, let me be specific in that, is uh, preaching for us next week in Acts. But this mini-series where we look at obstacles, challenges, how the early church 
faced difficulty and how they overcame that through the power, power of the Holy Spirit. The question we're asking is that are the challenges and division, even persecution, even execution, which they will face very soon, are they truly obstacles to the gospel, impediments to God's kingdom, or are they opportunities for the Spirit to work in a new and powerful way? For those who believe in the power of the name of Jesus, the question of how we judge what is possible in the world, the question of what resources we believe are available to tackle the challenges that the world throws at us, this is a deeply theological question of what we believe can be brought to bear by the Holy Spirit for any challenge is a deeply theological faith question. Do we live, friends? Do we live? This is a question for your life, for our life as a church. Do we live as if the power of God is in the world through the Holy Spirit and ready to work in every and all circumstances? I mean, do we look for the Holy Spirit to show up in unexpected and surprising circumstances on the regular? Do we expect the Holy Spirit to change, transform, flip obstacles to opportunity? Today's passage is a text where the missionary movement of the church hangs in the balance. It's one of those passages like so many that, that we read them and maybe we've heard this before. It's only like five verses in between some really exciting other stories and, and we might just gloss over this. But for those in the moment, for, for those in the discussion, for those embroiled in the challenge, in the division of this text, it had to be a terrifying and very dark season. This text takes place sometime, we don't know exactly how long, some days after the Council of Jerusalem. We talked about that last week. This great council where those that had been up in Antioch and beyond, uh, far from Jerusalem, saw the Holy Spirit poured out on Jewish and non-Jewish believers alike. And those apostles and uh, elders back in Jerusalem said, why don't y'all come back and let's talk about this. And they gathered together to decide whether circumcision and the whole Old Testament law would be an obligation for everyone who came to know Christ or, or not. And they choose not that the Holy Spirit came on non-Jewish believers in equal power and proportion to Jewish believers before they ever followed the law. So why would we add that burden to them? And it's this glorious time. And they write a letter to send it out to encourage all the churches. And a little bit later, Paul and Barnabas, these partners in ministry, these compatriots, these jerk fellow sojourners together who had been through so much, they decide, all right, Let's go back to all of the churches that we started, all of those towns and places where we gave witness to Christ and left fledgling baby body of believers. Let's go back to them, presumably to encourage them to continue teaching and helping them grow and also to read them this letter, to let them know of this decision at Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas have a lot of history together. I mean, years, maybe as much as a decade or more serving together. When Paul was first converted from Saul, if you go back to Acts 4, 
three or four. When he was first converted, really before he was even called Paul, when he was still Saul, no one trusted him of the early church. We talked about this several weeks ago. He had been a persecutor of the church. And when he came around the church, particularly um, outside of, of uh, um, when he was back in Jerusalem, they didn't really know what to make of him. But who gave him introduction to the elders and the apostles and the leaders? It was Barnabas. This guy that, that was come to, came to be known as the son of encouragement. Isn't that a great name? Son of encouragement. It's Barnabas that vouched for Paul way back in the beginning and introduced him around and paved the path for him to become one of these leaders of the church, to have entry into that world. A little bit later, when the apostles and the elders want to call back for Paul and send him out, Paul had spent some time back in Tarsus, essentially growing up a little bit outliving his reputation as a persecutor, they send Barnabas to go get Paul to bring him back. And so Barnabas goes and gets Paul along with John Mark and, and they come back to Jerusalem and they're sent out on what we call historically the first missionary journey of Paul. I don't think Paul and Barnabas would have known if they were on their first, second, and third. They were just serving, but for our purposes, it's helpful. And Paul and Barnabas along with John Mark who also is the Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, incidentally, likely a cousin of Barnabas, they're sent out on this first journey. We talked a little bit about it last week. They go to, to Cyprus and they go to Iconium and Lystra and several different towns sharing the gospel and they, they perform wonders and, and miracles and people, Jewish and non-Jewish alike, come to know Jesus in power and it's this amazing story. Then there have these guys up from Jerusalem, again, our story last week, who questioned their work, and they go down to Jerusalem, 250 miles to the uh, Council of Jerusalem, and, and there's success there. Their God is glorified there. They've been through so much together. And here they are, ready to continue the journey. Yeah, Barnabas. Yeah, Paul. Let's go back to all these places we've been. Let's go. It'll be so much fun to see this person and that person and see how they've grown and see what they've done. And Barnabas said, yeah, let's go call John Mark. He'll want to come too. Paul says, ha, hold up. John Mark abandoned us. We were halfway through that first trip and he left us. Now, we don't know the circumstances of this. We don't know whether there was a reason for this, but... It's a breaking point for Paul and Barnabas. They have been through the fire together and will break over this. Maybe it's a throwback to Luke 9 when Jesus said that anyone who, who essentially hitches himself to the plow and then doesn't finish the job is not worthy of the kingdom of God. Maybe there's something of that in this judgment of Paul. But for whatever reason... Paul and this guy gentle enough to become known as the son of encouragement don't just have a little spat, not just a little squabble. Later in Galatians, Paul will insinuate this break was really over a doctrinal issue, not uh, this issue over John Mark. We don't really know exactly the full story. And interestingly, there's no hint of right or wrong in this. It's not that Paul is right and Barnabas is wrong. It's kind of left open-ended. These guys are just mad. 
And they're, they're disagreeing vehemently. Again, this is not a light dispute. The text says there arose a sharp disagreement. And the Greek word implies like deeply felt irritation and anger. And they decide they can't work together anymore. Years of healthy, fruitful partnership in the gospel work, trailblazers together, all done away with over this argument. takes us back to that original question, friends. By what do we judge what is possible in the world? I mean, honestly, here, if we can put ourselves in, we know some of the other people around. We know John Mark's probably around. We know Silas and Timothy. They're going to come in here in a minute. They're still in Jerusalem, so probably the apostles and elders and Some of the early church are around this discussion, whether present there, but around it somewhere. And what is possible here, it's possible, is defeat. This was a house of cards stacked on each other, held together by the glue of the Holy Spirit and the ability for men and women to overcome their differences for the sake of the gospel. What happens if the prime people divide? What happens if the face of the missionary movement, the faces of it, can't work together anymore? What was possible is this whole house of cards built upon people being unified could come tumbling down. If Paul and Barnabas can't get along, what hope do the rest of us have? In the heat of the argument, don't you know, it felt like what was possible was the whole missionary enterprise might fail. Church, we all have moments like this, seasons like this sometimes, where much hangs in the balance. There have been moments and seasons like this in this church, haven't there? In every church, where what is possible seems mostly bleak. Where what is is possible, maybe even probable, doesn't seem hopeful in the least. We face this in our souls. We face this in our families. We face this sometimes in our work or our business. We face this in our friendships. We face this certainly in our church from time to time. Times when we wonder, situations, seasons where we wonder, is this that moment where we fail? Is this that moment where the relationship doesn't make it? Times when we wonder, can anything good come from what I am feeling, what we are feeling and experiencing. The obstacles are just too big this time. Our own limitations, our own resources so little and overwhelmingly small, our mistakes too strong, the challenges too great. In this moment, these seasons, it is difficult to see what is truly possible. And it is precisely these moments where we need God most. In our lowest moments, those dangerous moments, the embarrassing moments, the tragic moments, because we know in these moments, in these seasons, for anything good to come, it must be a work of the Holy Spirit. Missionary balance, missionary Enterprise hangs in the balance. But what have we learned 
in Acts thus far. That the Holy Spirit can and will use all things for the good of the kingdom of God. In the calculus of the kingdom of God, obstacles are opportunities in disguise. Our mistakes and sin and embarrassments are the front lines where grace does its work in our lives and in the lives of others. Even those embarrassing squabbles amongst Christ's church, the petty fights among the church leadership here in this situation that can divide can also be used to multiply kingdom work. Hear this clearly. Nothing can stop the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world. The Holy Spirit is relentless in its, worth, in its work to birth unthinkable blessing from impossible situations. Paul and Barnabas split. They don't work it out. Right? Wrong? What's the real reason? It doesn't matter. The son of encouragement and this firebrand Paul cannot work it out. But what is meant to divide ends up multiplying. The elders and perhaps others speak into their lives and say, why don't you both go? And Barnabas, you want to take John Mark? Take John Mark. Paul, who you got? He's like, well, I got Silas and Timothy. And what would have been one journey turns into two journeys. What was meant to divide ends up multiplying the kingdom effort. They can't work together, yet more comes of it. Eventually, long down the road, Paul and Barnabas become colleagues once again. This split road circles back around. It's funny how that works in the kingdom of God. How many divisions, how many breaks, how many disunity of fellowship we experience that end up coming back around over time. If we can just hang in there, not say anything that precludes that possibility, not do anything not in the spirit of Christ, even in our anger. It's mentioned 1 Corinthians, Colossians, Paul and Barnabas come together. Paul, at the end of his life, toward the end, in multiple circumstances, will voice his support for John Mark and his thankfulness and what he means to him in, in 2 Timothy and Colossians and Philippians. So even that one who he would be willing to break fellowship over comes back to be one of his biggest supporters, someone he gives thanks for multiple times. What threatened to divide only served to multiply the work of the kingdom of God. Y'all, this isn't an excuse to squabble. Should you be tempted to squabble? This is not your text where you're like, oh, God's going to work it all out. Go ahead. No. But it's an encouragement when we do. What obstacles are you facing in your life? What challenges do you have in your family, your work, your friendships, this church? Where have you sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, fallen short of the hope God has for your life? What resources do you believe are available to you to shape what is possible for your future? For the future of this church, for the future of the world itself. 
The challenge, friends, is for us to see every circumstance, every obstacle, every challenge, every relationship with spirit-infused eyes, with spirit-infused souls that see every possible circumstance we are in as infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of possibility, the promise of God's work in and through that relationship, that obstacle, that challenge, that situation. We're going to celebrate communion here in a few minutes. What's possible with those goofy little squares of bread, a little shot of juice? We're going to baptize two people at TriPoint in an hour or two. What's possible that little tub of water we roll out every week or so? If we are left to our own devices, not much is possible at all. But with the Holy Spirit working in and through and around us, lives are transformed. The call of God comes. Forgiveness is given and received. Salvation comes home. Because the Spirit of God is on the move, all things are possible. The Holy Spirit can and will use all things in all situations and all people for the good of the kingdom of God. Nothing can stop the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church, in our world. Let me pray for us. God, infuse our lives with the possibilities of your spirit. So often the difficulties, the responsibility, the weight of our lives shrinks our vision for what is possible to the limits of our pain or the limits of our grief, the limits of our struggle. But God, you bring resources to bear we know not. You see possibilities and equations of blessing that we could never see. And if we will but imagine and pray and open ourselves to be used by you, just one iota, God, it's enough room for you to work. Give us spirit-infused eyes and souls. Father, where evil among us would seek to divide in our lives, in our families, in our own souls, in our church. God, Spirit, Holy Spirit, prevent division and increase multiplication so that we and others and all might grow closer to you. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Hellmeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.